أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربي شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedu Zaman Said Nursi podcast series You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org A rough translation of the text we will be studying is also posted at this website. You can go to podcasts, then words, then the 11th word, and scroll down to the appropriate episode. We will continue reading the 11th word today, inshallah. This is a treatise that helps us change the paradigm, the perspective, through which we look at the world. And once we change that perspective, we see reality as reality is. We see the connection of the existent beings that we sense, see, hear, taste, touch in the realm. Their connection to the sublime real, to God. And that's, that is the reality of things. Therefore, we see reality as reality is. We began with a representational story. And then we moved on to talking about how the themes uh, in that story represent reality. Inshallah, today we will uh, read through the reality section from the beginning and once we come to the part where we left, I will, I will start reading in Turkish and English both and trying to reflect upon uh, the, the text too. So, Bismillah. Oh friend, the story ended here. If you understood the secret of this allegory, look, see the face of reality too. So that palace, and there was a palace in this story, is this realm, whose ceiling is the sky illuminated by smiling stars. Its floor is the face of the earth that is adorned by all sorts of flowers from east to west. As for that king, he is a sanctified entity who is the sultan of pre-eternity and post-eternity, that seven layers of the heavens the earth, and everything in them sanctify and glorify with their peculiar tongues. Such an all-powerful king that, having created the heavens and the earth in six days, then stood on the throne of his lordship, and by alternating night and day one after the other like two threads, one black and one white, he writes his signs on the page of the cosmos. The sun, the moon, and the stars are subjugated to his command, and he has the possession of sublimity and power. As for the rooms of that palace, they are these 18,000 realms that are each decorated and put in order as befits it. See, the marvelous arts you see in that palace are the miracles of divine power that are visible in this realm. Especially in the season of summer, and especially in the orchards of Barla. As for the hearth and kitchen over there, here it is the earth with fire in its heart 
and the surface of the earth. As for the jewels of the hidden buried treasures you saw in the allegory, they are examples of the reflections of holy divine names in this reality. As for the engravings we saw in the allegory and the allusions associated with them, they are the orderly artifacts and proportionate engravings of the pen of power that indicate the names of the majestic all-powerful one. As for that teaching master, he is our master Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Blessings and greetings of peace be upon him. As for his assistants, they are the prophets. Greetings of peace be upon them. As for his disciples, they are the saints and purified ones. As for the ruler's servants in that palace, they point to the angels. Greetings of peace be upon them in this realm. As for the guests in the allegory, who are invited for spectacle and feasting, they point to the people, the jinn and the animals, who are men's servants in this guest house of the earth. As for those two groups, here one of them are the people of faith, and they are the disciples of the wisdomful Qur'an, which is the interpreter of the signs of the book of the cosmos. As for the other group, they are the people of disbelief and transgression. It is the mob of the deaf and dumb misguided, who, by following the compulsive soul and Satan, recognize only the worldly life like animals, or in fact, even lower. The felicitous and the virtuous who are in the first group listen to the two-winged teaching master. That teaching master is a slave of God. From the point of view of worshipful slavehood, he describes and makes his Lord known, and therefore he is like the envoy of his community of believers in the court of the sublime real. And he is a messenger. From the point of view of messengership, he promulgates the rulings of his Lord to the jinn and to the people through the Qur'an. This fortunate community listened to that messenger and paid attention to the Qur'an. They saw themselves invested in many subtle duties within many elevated stations through prayer, which is an index of a variety of forms of worship. Yes, they saw in detail the duties and stations that prayer points to through the various words of remembrance and movements it contains. This is how. First, beholding the imprints of creation and seeing themselves in the station of the spectators of the excellent beauties of the royal power of lordship, in the form of a transaction in the presence of the unseen, they perform the duty of exaltation, takbir, and glorification, tasbih, and said, God is the greatest, Allahu Akbar. Second, appearing in the station of the promulgating criers of the brilliant imprints and masterworks that reflect the sacred divine names, they fulfill the duty of sanctifying taqdis and praising tahmid by saying glory be to God subhanallah and praise and gratitude be to God alhamdulillah third at the station of tasting and understanding the apparent and hidden blessings stored in the treasuries of divine mercy they began performing the duty of gratitude and laudation fourth at the station of weighing and knowing the jewels in the treasuries of the divine names with the scales of metaphysical equipment, they began the duty of declaring transcendence, tanzih, and of eulogy, madh. Fifth, at the station of per perusing the lordly letters written on the lines of divine determination by the pen of power, they began the duty of contemplation, tafakkur, and admiration, istihsan. 
sixth, at the station of declaring transcendence, by spectating the subtle elegance and delicate beauties in the creation of things and the artfulness of artifacts, they took up the duty of loving and yearning for their majestic creator who creates from nothing and their beautiful artful maker. So this coming section we actually read, but we just read through. We did not try to reflect upon it in the last episode. We will move to reading in Turkish and English uh, together and reflecting upon it now, inshallah. Bismillah. Demek kainata ve asara bakıp gaibane muamele-i ubudiyetle meskür makamatta meskür ve zaifi eda ettikten sonra saniye hakimin dahi muamelesine ve ef'aline bakmak derecesine, derecesine çıktılar ki hazırane bir muamele suretinde evvela Halık-ı Zülcelal'in kendi sanatının mucizeleriyle kendini zişura tanıtırmasına karşı hayret içinde bir marifet ile mukabele ederek Subhaneke ma'arafnake hakka ma'arifetike dediler. Thus, having beheld the cosmos and the imprints of creation and performed the above-mentioned duties in the form of transactions of worship in the presence of the unseen. So these are uh, people who are sent to this world. And one of their tasks, or perhaps the most important task that they are charged with, is beholding the cosmos. But this is not simply just looking and looking and looking. No, this is beholding the cosmos with contemplation and attribution. Looking at the cosmos as the imprints of creation and moving from that contemplation moving from what they see to the Creator and recognizing the Creator, knowing their Lord, and having known their Lord, worshipping Him. This is happening in the presence of the unseen, which is a difficult translation. The original words, غَيْبَانَ or غَيْبَانَ um, What it means is that you are thinking about talking about somebody while that person is not there. However, you know that person's existence and presence. So you are not talking about something that is just imaginary. You are talking about something that exists but that is not there. Or that exists but you cannot see that person. That is what our relationship with God is in this in this realm for most of us we do not see God but we know that he is immanent he is everywhere we don't attribute place to him he does not occupy space but he is everywhere and nowhere at the same time which means that he is above and beyond limitations of space he sees us he hears us he knows the subtlest thoughts that come to our hearts. He is closer to us than ourselves. We are in His presence, but we don't see Him. Having beheld the cosmos and the imprints of creation and performed the above-mentioned duties in the form of transactions of worship in the presence of the unseen, they rose to the degree of beholding the all-wise, artful makers' transactions and acts. So first, they were beholding the cosmos. 
they were beholding, looking at the tree, looking at the flower, looking at the rock, looking at the I don't know, skyscraper, looking at the man walking in the street. They were looking at created beings. Now, having exiled in that, on the path, they rose to another level, to another degree. Here, they are beholding the all-wise artful makers, transactions and acts. They look at the tree, they, they see the provision of the tree. They look at the tree, they see the beautification of the tree. They look at the tree, they see that it is being held firm. They look at the tree, they see the creation of the tree. They look at the man walking in the street, they see his sustenance. They see that life is being given to him. They look at things and they see the acts that result in their creation. First, in return for the majestic creator's introduction of himself to conscious beings through the miracles of his art, and everything they see then starts to appear as miracles of his art. They start to see the art in everything. Without faith, if they looked, they would just see the material object. They would just see the bunny running on the lawn. And the bunny is, you know, some carbon, some hydrogen, some nitrogen, some oxygen, some some this, some that molecules, a a combination of millions, billions of molecules. What else? That's it. Without faith, that is what the bunny is. And then it moves. So there's also some motion. But beyond that, nothing. You can't attribute anything beyond that to the to the bunny. Even the consciousness that you would think that the bunny has appears as an interaction of various neural uh, connections. So, if you look at the bunny with faith, then you see its provision, its sustenance, its beautification, the mercy that is acting upon it. You see many other things, right? First, in return for the majestic creator's introduction of himself to conscious beings through the miracles of his art, you start to see art in the in the bunny. And as you see that art, you are incapacitated. You see everything else in a form of incapacitation. Nothing is capable of doing this. Nothing in the creation that you see around is capable of doing this. Nothing has the capacity to to bring a bunny into existence from non-existence. Nothing. Nothing has that capacity. Perhaps you can imagine, you know, coincidence, nature, laws of nature, right? But even then, even then, you are presuming that there is some matter out there that is being combined in various ways through blind coincidence, non-existent nature because nature is not a thing it does not exist right or causal laws again that that is not a thing we this is just names that we we give to patterns that we observe nothing can make this therefore you see everything in a state of incapacitation in the face of the art that is embedded into the bunny or any created being
the sun, the stars, the galaxies, the molecules, the atoms, the cells, everything. Wherever you turn, you see an art that is embedded into that thing. And in, that, in the face of that art, you cannot but see everything in the creation incapacitated. Then you attribute that capacity to something beyond the creation. God. And they appear as miracles of his art. First, in return for the majestic creator's introduction of himself to conscious beings through the miracles of his art, they responded in the form of a transaction in his presence with wonder-inspiring intimate knowledge, saying, Subhanaka, ma'arafnaka, haqqa ma'arifatika, glory be to you, we have not known you as you deserve to be known. Now, now they are in his presence. It is not Gaibane, it is not Gaibane anymore, it is Hazirane. Now they are feeling that presence, that they are feeling in his presence as if they are seeing him. They don't see him, but they are seeing his actions. And once they recognize this, once they move that degree, they look at their previous degree and they say, Glory be to you. We have not known you as you deserve to be known. Senin tarif edicilerin bütün masnuatındaki mucizelerindir. What makes you known are the miracles of your artifacts. All of your artifacts. Not one, but all of, all of your artifacts. But we cannot grasp them. We cannot comprehend all of your artifacts all at once either. Therefore, we are incapacitated. Glory be to you. We are not able to know you as you deserve to be known. Therefore, our knowledge of you is the recognition of our inability to know you. We say you are above and beyond anything that we might think you to be. Subhanaka ma'arafnaka haqqa ma'rifatika. Sonra o Rahman'ın kendi rahmetinin güzel meyveleriyle kendini sevdirmesine karşı muhabbet ve aşk ile mukabele edip and then, in return for that merciful one's endearment of himself with the beautiful fruits of his mercy, they responded with love and passion and said, You alone we worship and from you alone we ask for help. Then, in return for the merciful one's endearment of himself. What does that, this mean? We talked about this many times. God did not just create us and provide us with the basic necessities of our existence and sustenance. God gave us beautiful things. I have used this example many times before. In order to survive, we need nutrition. Nutrition could be in the form of some paper-like pellets tasting like paper, not tasting at all, or could be bitter. Each time we ate something, we, would, we could have had to overcome our uh, displeasure. Everything could be bitter. 
But that is not the case. We are provided with nutrition and we are provided with it in the form of millions of different tastes, color, uh, smell, texture, combinations. We eat a peach and it is so tasty, so beautifully smelling that we love it. What is it that we love when we eat the peach? The taste, it goes away. Where is that taste coming from? What is taste? Other than a form of interaction with my body and that object that, that is called peach. How is it happening that that interaction is creating pleasure in my consciousness? Who gave that? Who gave that? Why do I like it? Why do I feel good when I eat the peach? Isn't there a message in this? If we know that the peach is created by someone and it is the same someone who created me as well and who created this relationship between the peach and me, isn't he trying to give me a message? It is me who has consciousness. Therefore, it is my responsibility to appreciate this. And in that beauty that I sense in the peach, I love something. But the peach itself is transient. The taste does not stay there. I am not satisfied with the love of that which does not lust. That is another stance that is put in me. It is in my nature. It is in my uncorrupted nature. I want that which lasts. Then I take another peach. The taste is there. Then I take another peach. The taste is there. But it's gone. Then I take another one. It is there. Then it cannot be in the peach. The peach by itself is not capable of sustaining that taste, that relationship that I have with the object. The source must be somewhere else. I think about the source. I think of the source. I want to know the source. And then he makes himself known to me through his prophets. So I know him and now I love him. He endears himself to me. Then, in return for that merciful one's endearment of himself with the beautiful fruits of his mercy, they responded with love and passion passionate love and said you alone we worship nothing else nothing else is worth your worship everything else is incapacitated nothing has the capacity to create this and therefore my oh revelation and love needs to be targeted to you nothing else is deserving of it and the combination of my oh Reveration and love is my worship. I worship you alone, nothing else, nobody else. And, and I see that I am needy. I am needy for everything. I am needy for the nutrition. And now that I have tasted it, I am needy for the taste too. And I know that it is you who creates all of this, nothing else, nobody else. I am asking for your assistance. Please. 
please help me. Help me come closer to you. Because I sense, I feel that you are, you are what I am yearning for. And there is nothing that can bring me to you other than you. I am yearning for you. Help me. Help me come to you. Sonra o mün'imi hakikinin tatlı nimetleriyle terahhum ve şefkatini göstermesine karşı şükür ve hamd ile mukabele ettiler. Dediler, Subhaneke ve bihamdike, senin hak şükrünü nasıl eda edebiliriz? Sen öyle şükre layık bir meşkursun ki, bütün kainata serilmiş, bütün ihsanatın, açık lisan halleri, şükür ve senanızı okuyorlar. Hem alem çarşısında dizilmiş ve zeminin yüzüne serpilmiş bütün nimetlerin ilanatıyla hamd ve medhinizi bildiriyorlar. Hem rahmet ve nimetin manzum meyveleri ve mevzun yemişleri senin cud ve keremine şehadet etmekle senin şükrünü enzar-ı mahlukat önünde ifa ederler. Then, in return for the demonstration of that true blessers, mercifulness and compassion through his sweet blessings, They responded with gratitude and praise and said, Subhanaka wa bihamdika, glory be to you and praise and gratitude be to you. How can we fulfill the gratitude that is rightfully due to you? Gratitude is due to God in return for all these blessings, in return for his mercy and compassion and the demonstration of his mercy and compassion in the beautiful blessings that we are enjoying throughout our lives. And inshallah thereafter, he is asking for one prize, and that is appreciation and gratitude. But how can we show enough gratitude? How can we appreciate sufficiently his blessings while even if we were to worship our entire lives doing nothing but standing before him, bowing down before him, prostrating before him, in a state of worshipful slavehood, our entire lives, we would not be able to pay the price of the blessing of one eye. All these blessings are precious. We do not recognize the value that they have. We do not recognize their true value while We are just moving around and going about our lives and taking everything for granted. But if we were to see that those things that we take for granted, they did not have to be given. They are created. They do not just exist. Then we would see the value in them. And we would see the value proportionate to the art we see in them. Because we would know that this is the art of the artful maker in the way that, let's say, a, a, a painting, if attributed to a no-name artist, will perhaps have you know, a little bit of value, something that you may buy and hang on the wall, a few dollars. But if it is attributed to, let's say, to Van Gogh, or Leonardo da Vinci, some really well-known painter whose painting everybody is seeking around the world, whose art is demonstrated and recognized as as the the state of the art of whatever that field is, then it would have a value proportionate to the artist that it is being attributed to. Then when we see the art in the things that we are enjoying, 
we understand that their value is proportional to to God. What can be more precious? A single apple that I might take for granted to be existing in the refrigerator, pull out, wash and eat. That apple is worth the world's. That apple is worth the entire cosmos. That apple could not be without the entire cosmos being in existence because of the way that the artful creator has created everything in connection with one another through his wisdom. Without earth, there could not be the apple tree. Without the sun, there could not be the earth. Without the solar system or the, the galaxy, the Milky Way, the sun could not be where it is, would not be able to do what it is doing. Without the entire cosmos, let's say if that is true, that is the you know accurate theory about, about the beginning creation of things, without Big Bang, the galaxy would not be there. Then, one apple necessitates the entire cosmos. Its value is, is, is as precious as the entire cosmos. How can I then show sufficient appreciation and gratitude in return for it? I cannot. How can we fulfill the gratitude that is rightfully due to you? You are a deserving recipient of gratitude who deserves such gratitude that the clear tongues of all of your bestowals that are spread out everywhere in the cosmos are reciting gratitude and laudation for you. Now, even that is not sufficient, but that is the furthest that my mind and imagination can go. Everything in the creation is receiving your blessings and everything in the creation by fulfilling the functions of their existence, their raison d'etre, their reason of being, by fulfilling that are showing gratitude and glorifying you. And the sum total of all of that perhaps should be a measure in my mind to grasp what gratitude you deserve. Because, again, one apple necessitates the entire cosmos, the entire existence. How can we fulfill the gratitude that is rightfully due to you? You are a deserving recipient of gratitude. Who deserves such gratitude that the clear tongues of all of your bestowals that are spread out everywhere in the cosmos are reciting gratitude and laudation for you. They are the ones who are, who are praising you. And through the promulgation of all the blessings lined up in the marketplace of the realm and dispersed through the face of the earth, they are proclaiming your praise and eulogy. And by testifying to your generosity and munificence, the orderly fruits and well-proportioned berries of mercy and blessing are performing the duty of gratitude to you before the gazes of creatures. I am by myself incapacitated. I don't have the capacity to to show you gratitude as you deserve. However, as we know from elsewhere in the Rasari Inur, the beautiful thing here is that as human beings we are gifted with the beautiful blessing of intention. By putting our intention in the right place, we can present to our Lord the gratitude of everything in the creation. We can say, 
I am not capable of showing you gratitude and appreciation the way you deserve to be thanked and appreciated. But as a representative of the entire creation, as a conscious being who can look around, observe, see, behold, and understand what is going on in this cosmos, I am making the intention, I am intending to present the gratitudes and appreciations of everything in the creation to you. When I say, that is what I mean. That is what I hold in my heart. And when I say, I am asking for your assistance, not only for myself, but I am using the first person plural. I am saying, for all of us. We are all, all in need of you. Sonra şu kainatın yüzlerinde değişen mevcudat aynelerinde cemal ve celal ve kemal ve kibriyasının izharına karşı Allahu Ekber deyip tazim içinde bir aczle rükua gidip mahviyet içinde bir muhabbet ve hayretle secde edip mukabele ettiler. Now we should remember that we are still uh, reading about the the merits of prayer. This is about what those believing, submitting, beautiful people are doing in prayer, which is an index of all worship, which is the essence of all worship, which is an indication of what worshipful slavehood means. And then, in return for the exposure of His beauty, majesty, perfection, and greatness on the mirrors of existent beings, in return for the exposure of his gods, what beauty, majesty, perfection, and greatness on the mirrors of existent beings. Wherever we turn, we see that his beauty, his majesty, his perfection, and his greatness. They are exposed on the mirrors of existent beings. And those mirrors are ever changing on the faces of the cosmos. Things are constantly in change, which shows that he is constantly in charge. This is not created once and left to be. We gave the example of you know famous painters, Leonardo da Vinci, he painted Mona Lisa. He did it once. Perhaps he did it over a period of time. Of course, God is above and beyond that. He says, kun fayakun, he says, be and it is. And it's much better than Leonardo da Vinci's paintings, but whether in a couple of hours or over the period of a few years, he painted it once and died, left. It doesn't change. The picture does not change unless it is deteriorating as a result of aging. It is not changing. The creation, the cosmos, is ever-changing. It is constantly being renewed. And it is not aging as a result. The one who created it is constantly in charge and is constantly demonstrating his arts and in his arts he is demonstrating his attributes and those attributes indicate his beauty, majesty, perfection and greatness. In return for that, they responded saying, God is the greatest, bowing down in a state of impotence within exaltation and prostrating in a state of humility within love and oh, they go to Rikah. Remember, they are in prayer. 
They bow down in a state of impotence, recognizing their powerlessness. There is so much power that is in charge. There is so much happening. But nothing has the power to do any of this. Nor am I. I bow down before you, recognizing my impotence and in that I am expressing my exaltation of you. You are above and beyond. You are the greatest. And prostrating in a state of humility within love and oh, I am humbled before you. You gave me so much. I have been deficient. I have failed. I have not been able to keep my covenant. I have not been able to worship you the way you deserve to be worshipped. I have not been able to show gratitude to you even for for one eye that you have given to me and how many more things you have given to me. I am humbled. There is nothing I can do but recognize my humility before you and you are still giving you are still giving i love you i love you and i'm owed by your majesty by the majesty of your beauty i am filled with a sense of oh in the face of the majesty of your beauty and the beauty of your majesty sonra Oganeyi mutlakın servetinin çokluğunu ve rahmetinin genişliğini göstermesine karşı fakr ve hacetlerini izhar edip, dua edip, istemekle mukabele edip iyyâken estaîn dediler. And then, in return for the absolute rich one's demonstration of the abundance of his treasures and the vastness of his mercy, they responded exposing their poverty and needs, supplicating and asking, and they said iyyâken estaîn. From you alone we ask for help. He is rich. He is so rich that there is no end to his richness. Whatever he wills, he says be and it is. And he shows it to us. He shows it to us by showering us with his blessings that will be in the smaller circle of our lives. And he is showing it to us in the majesty of the entire entirety of his creation. It is mind-boggling to think about how much matter goes into the creation of the cosmos. How much energy is discharged at every second or millisecond for the motion, mobilization of all the atoms, various particles in the atoms, the planets, the stars, the galaxies. How much movement is there there? How much power? does that necessitate how much power and resources must the one who mobilizes them who subjugates them who moves them at every given moment and who has done that to the extent that we can know for 14 billion years he has infinite power and looking at how things are going we know that he is capable of sustaining that or even better things forever. His wealth is abundant. He is the absolutely rich one, Ghaniyi Mutlaq. And he demonstrates the abundance of his treasures and the vastness of his mercy within that majestic, awe-inspiring creation. 
He is also showing mercy to each and everything, giving them what they need. He gives hydrogen to the sun to burn. He gives bread and peach and cheese and meat and what not to me to eat. He gives minerals and water to the tree to to grow. He gives seeds to the birds. He gives grass to the cows. He gives planktons to the fish. He gives everything what it needs. He shows his mercy within the majestic, awe-inspiring grandeur of his creation. In return for the absolute rich one's demonstration of the abundance of his treasures and the vastness of his mercy, they responded exposing their poverty and needs. Now, he is rich, but what am I? I am, I am poor. I am in poverty. And I am needy. Without him, I would be in absolute poverty because I am a human being. And the human beings have a predicament. Anything that they can think about or imagine turns into, has the potential to turn into a need for them. I need everything. First and foremost, I need eternity. I want to last. I don't want to disappear. Is there anybody out there that you can find who wants to disappear? Yes, some people may be going through psychological issues and troubles and so on and so forth. But if they were given the option, if they, rather if they were shown the option that they can exist forever and they can be happy forever. That is what I want. Nobody wants non-existence. Even those who want to commit suicide and die, thinking, imagining, falsely imagining that they are going to disappear when they commit suicide and die, even they want a happy, lasting life, but out of their despair that that is possible, by not noticing that that is possible, they opt to die to, to, for, for non-existence in their imagination in their false imagination. But that is the result of despair. That's not the result of knowledge. That is not the result of, even not knowledge, that's not the result of optimistic thinking. If they were optimistic, everybody would want to last forever. You go and, you go and ask, you will not find a single person who, if asked, would you like to live happily ever after? will tell you no. Everybody wants that. First and foremost, I need everlastingness. But I do not have the ability to sustain myself from this moment to the next. I need food to live. I eat food. Alhamdulillah, God gave it to me as a blessing. But I don't have the ability to digest it. It's happening without my consciousness intervening. I want water. I don't have the ability to, to survive without water for a few days. I find water, Alhamdulillah, God gives it to me. But I don't have the ability to process it in my body. I have no involvement in whatever is going on there. He is the one. He is giving them all to me. So what can I do? Well, I can recognize my poverty. 
I can recognize my needs and neediness and I can expose it before Him. I can make that my intercessor before Him because I know He is compassionate. Wherever there is someone in need, He goes to their assistance. I can expose my poverty and needs supplicating and asking. I can supplicate Him. I can ask from Him. And I can say, From you alone we ask for help. Sonra o Sani-i Zülcelal'in kendi sanatının latiflerini, harikalarını, antikalarını sergilerle teşirgah-ı en'amda neşrine karşı maşallah deyip takdir ederek, ne güzel yapılmış deyip istihsan ederek, barekallah deyip müşahede etmek, ammenna deyip şehadet etmek, geliniz bakınız hayran olarak hanyi alel felah deyip herkesi şahit tutmakla mukabele ettiler. Enden in return for the dissemination of the subtleties, wonders, and masterpieces of the majestic artful maker's art, they responded saying, MashaAllah, with appreciation. How beautifully it is made, with admiration. Barakallah, with observation. We believe, with testimony. Come, look, in a state of amazement. And, Hayya al-Falah. Hasten to salvation while holding everybody as a witness. And then, in return for the dissemination of the subtleties, wonders and masterpieces of the majestic artful maker's art. As we talked before, everywhere, it is everywhere. Wherever we turn, we do not only see the signs of creation, but we see signs of artful creation. We look at the further horizons on a clear night and see in the firmament the beauty, the art of his creation. And we look at our fingertips and there too see the proportionality, the wisdom, the artfulness, the beauty in his creation. In return for that, they responded saying, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. That is what we say when we are filled with awe in the face of God's creation. We, we say, this can be from nothing but God. What has God willed? This is the result of God's will. He willed and He created. He willed, He said, be and it is. We appreciate God's creation in that. And then we say, how beautifully it is made with admiration, with, with, with istihsan, by seeing the beauty in it. Remember, God created everything. God is beautiful and there is an aspect of beauty in everything that he creates that is merged with, with his majesty and they together indicate his perfection. Our job is to see the beauty in everything that God created. If we can do that, then we are filled with istihsan, with admiration for our Lord. And that turns into love for Him. And our love is what draws us closer to Him. And we want to be close to Him. Therefore, we want to see beauty in everything. Those who are pessimistic and cannot see reality as reality is, and therefore imagine that there is evil, there is ugliness in the creation, 
well what will they think of the creator what will they think about the creator their pessimism will lead them to cast aspersions on the creator and then they will not be able to love him they will even resent the creator and what is that going to take them to where is that going to take them to Will they be able to draw closer to the Creator or further further away from Him? What is the source of pessimism? What is the source of pessimism in this life? We all need to be admirers of God's beautiful creation. And then they will say, Barakallah, with observation. They will turn around and they will not be filled with uh, with envy. They will look at the beautiful flower, and they will see the beauty of the creator of the flower, and they will say, "May God increase His blessing on you." They will see the beautiful bird cleaning its feathers, and they will say, "How beautiful you are created! May God increase His blessings on you." They will know that God is the rich one absolutely rich one that god gives more blessings to the bird that god gives more blessings to the flower that god gives this is the important part more blessings to our brothers and sisters among believers and among human beings that is not going to deplete his resources and therefore leave us less no he is absolutely rich we say, Barakallah, may He increase it. May He increase it for you. When it increases for everybody, it increases for all of us together. And they say, we believe. Amanna. We believe. This can be from nothing but God. You sent us your messengers. You told us about yourself. And we believe. Because, because we know that nothing else has the capacity to do any of this. And then, now that they are filled with faith, admiration, love, what can they do? This is the outcome of the uncorrupted human nature. When we are filled with such beauty and admiration and love, we cannot but want to promulgate it. So they say, Hasten salvation while holding everybody a witness. They want to hold everybody a witness. They see that beauty and they, they want to turn around and say, come look, this is beautiful. The way small children do. They print a beautiful picture and then they say, mama, baba, come look how beautiful this is. They see, let's say, a, you know, a beautiful butterfly in the, in the garden and they go, mama, baba, run. Before it, before it leaves, run, look how beautiful it is. Hem o sultanı ezel ve ebed, kainatın aktarında kendi rububiyetinin saltanatını ilanına ve vahtaniyetin izharına karşı tevhid ve tasdik edip semi'ana ve ata'ana diyerek itaat ve enkıyad ile mukabele ettiler. Furthermore, in return for the promulgation of his lordship by the sultan of pre-eternity and post-eternity in the regions of the cosmos 
and the exposure of his antitative oneness, they responded with monotheism and affirmation and saying, Sami'ana wa ata'ana, we heard and we obeyed in a state of obedience and acquiescence. Furthermore, in return for the promulgation of his lordship by the Sultan of Pre-Eternity and Post-Eternity in the regions of the cosmos and the exposure of his antitative oneness. So, God is promulgating his lordship and his oneness. What does that mean? His lordship, Rububiya, is, we can understand it as God's taking care of the creation. God's creation and sustenance of everything that's in existence. Can there be anything other than him, as we have been talking? Can there be anything, anyone other than him in existence that can do this? No. Can we give the whole to him, but spare the parts for other things? No. We cannot do that. We cannot say God created galaxies or you know started everything at the Big Bang and now he is resting somewhere. No. He is in charge at all times and he is the Lord at all times for everything in every occasion. He is the Lord of the tiny leaf of the fern, the plant of fern that is growing somewhere in a deep forest that nobody sees. And he is the Lord of myself and here everybody can think of their own selves he is the lord of the star that no eye has seen no human eye has seen and no human eye will probably ever see and he is the lord of the apple that i am eating today for nutrition he is the lord of everything and he has the seal of his lordship on everything we talked about this before he has the seal of his lordship in everything, and that is the method of the Quran. Wherever we turn, we want to see his lordship. Yes, one can have monotheism thinking nobody other than God may have created all of these things. And that is that is fine. That is monotheism, that is tawhid. But we want to go beyond that and see his seal of oneness on everything because we don't want to pray in the mosque and then when we you know go out we feel something a sore throat and go to the the pharmacy get some uh, you know pastille or whatever something and put in our mouth and when the sore throat is healed attributed to the remedy that we took we want to see his power we want to see his intervention. We want to see him acting upon everything. And he is promulgating that. He is promulgating his lordship on everything in the entire cosmos, in all regions of the cosmos, and exposing his oneness. So, what is due to us in this case if he is promulgating that? And he is sending us messengers to show us the way. Sending us messengers who show us how he is promulgating his oneness in the entirety of the cosmos and in all the regions of the cosmos and all particles and particulars of the cosmos. Had there been two rulers, that would be corruption. 
There is no corruption. Everything needs everything. Everything is in harmony with everything. He is showing it. And the Quran, His messengers, the message He sent to humanity and ultimately the Quran is showing us. Showing us that He is promulgating His oneness in the creation. He is promulgating and exposing His Lordship in the creation. What is due to us? Why is he insisting so much? Why is he so insistently demonstrating and exposing this? Us as conscious beings in this creation, do we have something to do in return for that? Yes. They responded with monotheism, tawhid. And of course we translate this as monotheism, uh, but the, the word tawhid is, uh, has some more subtle connotations uh, because it is a verb. Right? Wahda or Wahid is one. Tawheed is to make one. To make one. Not to see multiplicity. Wherever you happen to imagine multiplicity in existence, to think through it, to see its reality, and see the oneness that is in it. Tawheed, monotheism, attributing everything to God. And affirmation. Affirmation of what? The message. He is promulgating in the creation and he sent us messengers to, to tell us. This is it. I am one. Don't worship other, other, other gods. Don't ask from other lords. Don't think that there is any other power other than me out there. So we affirm. We say we heard the message. And we obeyed your message. We are obeying your command in a state of obedience and acquiescence. Itat the inquiad. We heard that you are one. We accepted, affirmed your oneness. And what follows from that is that we submit to your command. Whatever you want from us, we are here. Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik. Here we are. We are before you ready. Ready to listen to your command and fulfill it. That is, that is the natural consequence of recognizing His oneness and His Lordship and His beauty and majesty and greatness and perfection. That is where we are. There is some more here, but inshallah we will stop and continue in the next episode, finishing this section about prayer and moving on to other wisdoms that Ustad Nursi provides us with in the 11th word. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa-akhir da'wahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.